Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I ask you at this time to please uh, grab your Bibles. Grab your Bibles. And uh, we're going to be in the Old Testament uh, this morning. I'm going to ask you to go with me to the book of Daniel. The book of Daniel. We are in week seven of our series, Not a Fan. We've looked at different elements of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ and not just a fan, not just the one who comes to church on Sundays and then Monday through Saturday does, does not live like a follower of Christ. We've looked at various people in the Bible. We've looked at calls through scripture for us to take action. And today I want us to look at an example in the Bible and something that we can learn as we're about ready to wrap up this series next week. And before we dive too much in there, I just have a, a few quick announcements for you. So the first thing, if you are a guest with us uh, this morning, we welcome you to the Well Church. My name is Joshua Kale. I'm the lead pastor here. And uh, if you would, we want to be able to connect with you. And so there is a welcome guest card in, thank you Fred holding it up for me, there is a guest card in the seat back pocket in front of you. We just ask that you would fill out as much information as you feel comfortable uh, giving to us and then on your way out stop at our welcome center right here in the back of our worship center and they have a free gift just for you. Now um, please uh, for those of you who are regular attenders and, and members here at the Well Church, do not forget about our joy offering. The time in which we give monetarily to the work of God through our church here in Ionia County and beyond. Uh, you can do that on your way out if you have not done so. You can also um, call that number right up there or text, sorry, text that number or you can mail it in here uh, to the church office and we'll make sure it gets turned in for you. Now, uh, we have something very, very big going on next Sunday. Does anybody know what it is? That's right, it's, it's the 4th of July. We have Freedom Sunday out at Bertha Brock Park next Sunday. So church, please do not show up here to this building for our worship service. We are going to be out at the Hunting and Fishing Lodge out at Bertha Brock Park. We've got free food. Everybody like free food, right? We got free food. We're going to have music. We're going to have a, a, a word uh, from the Lord that day uh, about finding freedom in Christ. And then... We're going to have games for kids, bounce houses. Uh, there's going to be this really cool, like, wipeout um, game that's going to be out there so us adults can actually get on the bounce houses, right? Because we want to do that. And, uh, and then we're going to do something very special on the day, baptism. We are baptizing people in the creek, and because of all the rain, it's actually deep enough for us to do it. So we've been praying for the rain to, to raise the creek, and the creek has, has risen. So we're praying that there's no more rain that comes so that people don't drown. So, so be here, 10 o'clock, 10 o'clock, Bertha Brock Park, Hunting and Fishing Lodge. And for those of you who are being baptized, don't forget, following the service, uh, Chris and I will be right up here in the front on this side. Uh, we will be connecting with you, getting some information from you, and we're looking forward to next week. And if you are a parent of a teenager, stand kicks back off tonight at 5 o'clock downstairs, uh, same place. Um, so we hope to see you there. Now, um, I said we were going to be... Uh, in the book of Daniel, and I have to give you a very brief synopsis of, of some things that have occurred uh, up to the chapter in which we're going to find ourselves land today. So how many of you have been in church any length of time and you've heard 
um, anything about Daniel. Daniel in the lion's den, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Okay, great. So um, in chapters 1 through 5 of Daniel, you see a very clear picture of Daniel writing about um, his captivity. He's writing about his captivity. Now, he was selected... Uh, with a few other teenagers. They were young kids at this time. They were selected to work for the Babylonian king at that time, Nebuchadnezzar. And Daniel and his friends had to be bold and they had to make very tough decisions several times to display their integrity and to stand for godliness instead of the culture. That's what's going on in the first five chapters of Daniel. They reject the king's food. They pray when it's illegal to do so. They refuse to bow to idols. They were even thrown into a furnace uh, because they would not do what the culture told them to do. Daniel then goes on and interprets two dreams for the king. And you see this multiple times in Daniel's position. And he is promoted to chief over all of the wise men in Babylon. And yet through all of the great things that Daniel did. He knew that it was from God, and it was God who did it through him, and he always gave God the glory. We even see in Daniel chapter 2 that he said, it is he who reveals the profound and hidden things. He knows what's in the darkness, and the light dwells in him. He's speaking about God. Daniel is saying these things. Now, there is so much to draw from Daniel's life. The story is so familiar to people And there are so many sermons that are packed in here and so many angles to take. Many of us could tell the story themselves. Would you guys agree with that? Like I could tell the, the story of Daniel? Well, I want us to take a very fresh look at God's word today. I want us to see something that they didn't teach us in Sunday school. Something that can change your life as a follower of Jesus Christ. Daniel, here in chapter 6, is going to be thrown into the lion's den. And before we get there, we need to understand that Daniel is no longer a young man. Daniel is 90 years old when we pick up here in chapter 6. 90 years, anyone 90 in the room? No? Anyone close? Don't raise your hand. All right. (laughs) Daniel is a seasoned saint at this point in his life. He's lived through some of the craziest things, and he has a perspective on life that very few will ever have. He has seen God work multiple times and in mighty ways, and Daniel's trust of God is rock solid. It is rock solid. But one of the last impressions that I want to give you this morning as we work through this passage and about the life of Daniel is that if you just stay faithful, If you just stay courageous, if you just stand for God, God will get you out of every tight spot. I don't want you to walk away thinking that. No, do not not think that God will get you out of every tight spot. We need to understand something this morning. We need to understand that sometimes God is more glorified in our pain and in our suffering and even in the death of someone close to us, so that he is glorified. And God will allow those things to occur sometimes in people's lives. Why? Because God always does what's best for us and what glorifies him. We're going to see that here in this 
passage of Scripture. It is God's call alone to make with what happens to somebody. And we should never ever base our faithfulness on if God is going to do what we want him to do. Never. I think it was Job who said in Job 13 that though you slay me, I will still praise you. I will still maintain my ways before you, though you allow these things to occur to me. And if you don't know the story of Job, I suggest you go back and read it. And don't stop at chapter 20. Make your way all the way to the end, to chapter, to the very end of the book of Job, and you will see that though Job was tormented, his children were taken from him. He lost his livelihood. His friends turned on him. His wife even turns on him. And yet at the very end of Job's life, he understood God's faithfulness in a brand new way because God gave to him tenfold what he had. The reality this morning, guys, gals, church, is that God does not always deliver his saints. God does not always deliver the saints the way that he delivers Daniel or in the way that we think he should. And to preach or to teach otherwise would be to tell you a lie. There are thousands upon thousands of followers of Jesus Christ who endured great trial and great tribulation. We talked about three of them last week. Men who were burned at the stake just for following God. Thousands of people who endured martyrs' deaths. We cannot allow for ourselves as a church body to have the idea that we are going to escape every trial and every tribulation. It's not going to occur. So don't foster and develop a mentality that God somehow owes you something. Everything that we have in this life, including our life, is given as a gift by the grace of God. I believe it was Paul who said in the book of Philippians, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Thousands, thousands of followers of God suffered sickness, loss, lost everything. Go back and read about the lives of the disciples and how many of them endured hardship after hardship after hardship only to be put to death because they would not renounce their faith. Following Jesus and obeying God comes at a very high price. And sometimes it will lead to a lion's den. Daniel here, as we're going to see in just a moment, is faithful and loved God despite knowing the very cost of following. He was willing to trust God and to go to the pit for God's greater purposes. And that's going to be what we see. The essence of what we will learn today is, is this. Will we stay faithful despite the pits that will await us for our choices? Are you going to follow after God? At the rate that our country is going right now, I am fully persuaded that many of us will be put to the test just for following. For entering a church building alone, we will be put to the test. And despite living under a wicked ruler and under a pagan nation, Daniel was a follower of God. You see in Daniel chapter 1, this verse that's going to come to the screen, 
It says, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the princes of the eunuchs that he would not defile himself. Under a new king now, and a new kingdom, Daniel is about to get put to the ultimate test. The reality is, though, is that it does not matter which kingdom Daniel was in. He knew that he was serving the king of kings. And it was obvious and evident that there was something different about Daniel. Something different about him. Now I want us to pick up um, in verse number 1 of chapter 6. And it says, It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom twelve satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom. And over them three high officials of whom Daniel was one to whom these satraps should give account so that the king might suffer no loss. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Daniel is surrounded by high-powered men working with people in positions of authority, and they all preferred Daniel. All of them. An excellent spirit was in him is what God's word says. It means that God was shining through everything that Daniel said and did. There was an excellent spirit. He was a guy who people trusted. He was the guy who people could count on. He was the one who would calmly navigate through issues and problems. He would make wise choices and decisions that would benefit those that he was leading. People could know that they knew that they knew that they knew that Daniel was a man of God. But there's a problem here. There's an issue that people have when Christians take a stand for God. There's a problem. When people do what is right according to the Bible, people who are not followers of God don't like it. They won't stand for it. And we're going to see that here as we pick up in verse number 4. And it says in verse 4, Then the high officials in the, um, the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regards to the kingdom. But they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful. And no error or fault was found in him. And then these men said, We shall not find any grounds for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. Then these high officials and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, O king Darius, live forever. All the high officials of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps and the counselors and the governors all agreed, are, are agreed that the king should establish an, or, an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days, except for you, O king, shall be cast in the den of lions." Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and the injunction. And when Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in the upper chambers open towards Jerusalem. And he got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Meaning, this is something that Daniel had done over and over and over and over and it was not going to change. In verse 11, then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and a plea before his God. And then they came near and said to the king concerning the injunction, O king, did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any god or man within 30 days except for you, O king, should be cast in the den of lions? 
Then the king answered and said, The thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be revoked. Then they answered and said before the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction that you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. And the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel. And he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. And then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that this is the law of the Medes and Persians, that no injunction or ordinance that the king established can be changed. There was nothing that the king could do. And it says in verse 16, Then the king commanded that Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. And the king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve, continually deliver you. And this is God's word for us today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you right now, Lord, and I pray in this place as your word continues to go forth and we begin to unpack this passage that we would not stiff arm you in this place, that we would not tune out because of a familiar passage that we have heard over and over again, but God, you would draw something fresh and new out of your living word. God, I ask in this place right now that our hearts and our ears would align and be in tune with your Holy Spirit's work in this place. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. In this passage, little did Daniel know that his co-workers and colleagues were going to conspire against him. God, though, was going to do something great for his glories, but it would involve a pit of lions. So the first thing I need us to see in this passage this morning is that to be a follower of Jesus Christ, we must settle our life under God's authority. We must settle our life under God's authority. Early on in the book of Daniel, Daniel decided and determined who was in charge of his life. And it was not the ruling party of Babylon. He would not allow the world around him to dictate or control how he lived or who he was going to worship. God was in charge of Daniel's life. So church, let me ask you a question this morning. Who's in charge of your life? Who calls the shots for you? If you really want to know who's in charge of your life, look at your actions and your reactions. You'll know by them. Why? Because actions and reactions are typically based on how we view authority. That's how we view authority. And there's one reason why there's so much lawlessness in our culture and in our world today. And it's because people want very limited to no authority in their life. None. And the reason why most people would reject God in this situation is because they think they can actually do a better job of maintaining their own life than God can. Did you know that Jesus submitted to God's authority. In church, we are not better than Jesus. And Jesus still submitted. He surrendered his will to God. So a follower of God knows that God's in charge and God rules this world and God can do a much better job than we can of managing our lives. But we can't get to the place of settling our life under God's authority until we start somewhere. So I need you to know that you must start prioritizing your relationship with God. You must prioritize. 
Repeatedly, over and over and over, Daniel reminds the rulers that he works for that the only reason that they are there is because of God. He reminds them that the only power they have came because God's sovereignty allowed for them to be there. Daniel himself says in Daniel chapter 2 and Daniel chapter 4 and in 5 that there's nothing that compares to the power of God. Daniel knows it. And if you read through the entire book of Daniel, you will see that Daniel is a seeker of God. He continuously wants to be in God's presence and seeks only after absolute truth. So church, you and I, don't need to try and figure out all the problems and all of the people. We need to get to know God. We need to get to know God. When my wife and I um, became friends in high school, one of the things that I wanted to do as her friend was to get to know the things that she liked, get to know her quirks, get to know the things that I would say or do that would annoy her. Why? Because one day I wanted to ask her out to be my girlfriend, and I didn't want to annoy her with the things that she didn't like. Men, listen up. Get to know your wife, okay? It'll make your marriage better. Get to know your wife. And if you don't know your wife... You better pray and ask God to give you the strength to get to know your wife. And then you can lead your wife well. But there's a thing here. That was, that was just a little tidbit. You, you can just write that down. Gold star students, don't forget it. Get to know God. You will not know how to love people until you understand God's love. You will not know how to be just in your response to people until you understand God's justice. You will not know how to be merciful with people until you understand the mercy of God, until you've experienced it, until you've walked in it. So get to know God, and you can't get to know God if you prioritize your TV and your cell phone and games and hanging out with people and going to the bar and watching pornography and doing. You can't get to know God when you've placed things before him. Daniel placed priority on his relationship with God. And then you have to start learning to master yourself. You have to learn to master yourself. Daniel was a man of discipline, of standards, of convictions. Those are three big churchy words that we like to throw out and use for everything. But yet they're often misunderstood. They're great terms, but we define them without giving much thought to them at all. None. Do you know that when our theology is right, our thinking changes the way that we live life, and when we begin to see everything through the lens of God's word. We've talked about it over and over again. That's why Solomon said in Proverbs 23, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. That's why Jesus himself in his ministry talked about out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If the abundance of your heart is saturated in the culture and in the world, then guess what? You're going to look just like the people who are unsaved. Just like those people. To have standards and convictions is not about isolating yourself for for personal quirks to make you different than the world it's about ruling your life your body your soul and your spirit in such a way that you stay true to god's value system 
It's the way that you bring glory to God. And as that begins to take place, the second thing I want us to see this morning is that you will unashamedly subsist to your beliefs. You will walk in them. You will hold tight and hold fast to God's truth because I know that I've invested in my relationship with God and I don't want to be a representative of the world. Do you remember Do you remember why Satan himself was kicked out of heaven? Because he wanted to take the place of God. He thought he could do it better. It's a big churchy word that we like to call autonomy. It's meaning I can be the God of my own life. Satan was removed and he wants to take people with him. Guess what? When you live like the world, you're representing Satan. It is anti-Christ to live like the culture, to agree with the culture, to fight for what the culture fights for is anti-Christ. Don't forget it. A follower of God is not anti-Christ. A follower of God walks with Christ. You will notice, though, that these guys here in the text knew who Daniel was. They knew what he believed and where to find him. I want you to go back to verse number 6. It says, Then these high officials and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, O king Darius, live forever. And all the high officials of the kingdom, the, the prefects and the satraps, the counselors, the governors, are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whosoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days, except for you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. And now the king established the injunction and signed the document so that it cannot be changed according to the laws of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and injunction. Look, and when Daniel knew that the document had been signed in verse number 10, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chambers, opened towards Jerusalem, he got down on his knees and he prayed and gave thanks to, the, to God just as he had done. And guess what? These men came by agreement. And found Daniel making petition. They knew that Daniel was going to go and seek after the Lord. They hatched a plan. And they played to the ego of the king. And made a no prayer policy to anyone except for who they designated as a god. They waited and they knew that they were going to find Daniel worshiping God. You want to know what's fascinating about Daniel? His predictability. His predictability. Daniel, church, if you walk away with nothing else today, walk away with this. Daniel lived a life of predictable holiness. Predictable holiness. And to be a follower of God means I live a life that is predictably holy. One that people know I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to speak the truth. I'm going to follow God's word. Church, to be a follower of God means you live a predictably holy life. Daniel here did not go away to pray to make himself look cool. He didn't go and pray because he made a basket or got a touchdown. He went and prayed because he was seeking God. The one thing that he always did consistently. He did not pray to get attention like the Pharisees did in the New Testament. Jesus himself even voiced, don't pray like the Pharisees out in public in open places for people to see. He did it purposefully in his life behind closed doors. And because he privately worshipped God, people saw an outward action when he was in their presence. Church, 
you'll never walk in this building on Sunday and you will never sing to, to God. You will never come to this altar and meet with the Lord. You'll never pray. You'll never take anything away if your private worship is messed up outside of this building. You will not come here prepared to meet God if you haven't met God Monday through Saturday. Daniel met God every day. It says three times a day. The people here, though, weren't angry, frustrated, upset because Daniel prayed. They were upset, frustrated, and angry because of his godly lifestyle. Because of the holiness that he displayed. Daniel prayed because he was not ashamed of God. And he knew who the real king was. He would not surrender his convictions. You want to know the sad reality, though? Is that people today have a tendency to try and make church and Jesus look hip and cool and in. You know, it was the, the very same thing that Jesus dealt with in his own ministry. As long as Jesus did the miracles, as long as Jesus fed the people, the crowds were huge. But when he started to say the hard thing, when he started talking about surrendering your life and living a Christ-centered life and living out your beliefs, guess what happened? The crowds left. The people walked away. And my fear today as a pastor is that we have plenty of crowds in churches. My fear is that people come and if we give them what they want, then they'll come back. Those are fans of Jesus, not followers. We need to separate ourselves as, as believers of Jesus Christ and stop allowing a mentality of the world to overthrow and force us to make decisions. We should make decisions based solely upon God's word. I've told you that from the very beginning. The moment I took over as the pastor here, I was not ever going to make this place look hip and cool. We were going to be the church that were solidly grounded on the word of God, and we will not stray from that. And the moment I do is the day that I walk out of this church and I never come back to ministry because I have lost the calling that God has placed on my life. And church, I want you as your pastor to come with me, be grounded on the word of God, so that way we walk out of this building and people know that there's something going on in here and that God is moving, God is changing us. Our vision for the well, helping, helping people uncover life-changing truth through Christ, that's what we're trying to do here. And we only do that. We only do that. We can only impact Ionia with the gospel by us as a church learning the Bible and living out those biblical truths. We can't do it any other way. We can't do it in our own strength. Our goal should be to point people to God and to bring glory to Him. And it's sad that if a decree just like this, if a law was put into place here in America, and it was set into motion that we were not allowed to pray for 30 days except for a designated God that our government said, it probably wouldn't affect most Christians. It probably wouldn't affect most churches. 
and things would carry on as normal. I've seen it all too often. I mean, they've taken prayer out of school. They're even trying to remove prayer from political events. It's going to to be not very long, church. We are not far away from the place where they will tell us that we cannot pray to God. I don't think that we're far away from them telling us that we can't come into our church buildings. We are not far away. It's happening right now before our eyes, church. And if you are not grounded now, if you don't know truth now, you will be persuaded later by false doctrine. You will be indoctrinated by progressive Christianity. Christianity that removes the justice and the mercy and the grace of God completely out of it. Don't ever walk out of this building and think you can take all of God's love and all of God's grace and not take his mercy and his justice. You can't take a piece of God's character and leave the rest. It's not a salad bar. You can't just pick what you want and leave the things that you don't like. Okay, God is an inc- a complete God. You take all of God. God's justice and God's mercy, they work together. Just like the law and, and grace. Everyone wants to run to God's grace, but they forgot that the law was there. And Jesus himself said, I came not to abolish the law, I came to fulfill it. He came to say, you could walk in this through me. And that's exactly what Daniel knew. That's exactly what Daniel did. And when the time came for Daniel and when the time comes for us, we will be tested on our beliefs and our convictions and we need to do this very thing and that's to stay the course. Stay the course and embrace the outcome of your convictions. That's the third thing I want you to see this morning. Stay the course and embrace the outcome of our convictions. News reached the king that his very best man broke the rules. And to say that the king is distraught is an understatement. I want you to look at verse number 18. It says, Then the king went to his palace and he spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him and slept fled from him. He could not sleep because of what was going on. I need us to see something though. Don't get caught up in this text. I need you to see something. Not every test that you pass here on earth will result in a reward. Not every test that you pass here on earth is going to result in a reward. The, Daniel, uh, the, the prize that, that Daniel had waiting for him was a den of lions. A den of lions for being obedient You and I may not ever face a physical lion's den. But the reality is standing for your faith in Christ is going to place you in a spot where you will be tested. You will be tested for your faith. I can tell you of friends Believers that missed out on promotions, that faced harassment, that were even fired from their job because they 
took a stand for Christ. We need to embrace and accept that every trial and test, whether we understand it or not, is working for something far greater than what we can comprehend right now. I want you to see this verse on the screen. 2 Corinthians 4 says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, works for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. And while we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are, sorry, the things that are seen, but not the things that, or the things that are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Church, not only is your affliction momentary, not only is your affliction light in comparison to eternity and the glory that is there for us, it is all totally meaningful. Every affliction that you go through is meaningful. Every millisecond of your pain from the fallen nature of fallen man Every millisecond of your misery in the path of obedience. I don't care if it's cancer or criticism. I don't care if it's slander or if it's sickness. It was not meaningless. And it's doing something. It is doing something. And of course you and I can't see it. Why? Because we are looking for the things that are seen. When your mom dies... When your child died, when we buried our child, when my wife and I buried our first child, when a friend of ours got cancer at the age of 40, whatever happens, please know it's not meaningless. None of it is meaningless. So don't lose heart. Don't lose Don't lose heart in your pain. And your suffering is producing something far greater than you know. An eternal weight of glory. Eternal weight of glory. Get alone with God. Preach truth to yourself every morning. Focus on the truths of God's word in your pain and in your suffering and know that God will never waste a hurt or suffering or pain or a problem or a pit or a cave and that he's working for us and no matter the outcome, no matter the outcome, stay the course. And the last thing I want us to see this morning is to surrender all glory to God. Surrender all glory. Bear with me as I, as I want to walk through these last few verses of this chapter. It says that in verse 17, a stone was brought and it was laid on the mouth of the den and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. And the king went to his palace and he spent the night fasting and no diversions were brought to him and slept fled from him. And then at break of day, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. And he came near to the den where Daniel was, and he cried in a tone of anguish. And the king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to deliver you from the lions? 
And then Daniel says to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth. And they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him. And also before you, O king, I have done no harm. And then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken out of the lion's den. And so Daniel was taken out of the den and no kind of harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. Now I want us to jump now to verse 26. The king is now making a decree that in all my royal dominion people are to tremble and fear the God of Daniel, for he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed. His dominion shall never come to an end. He delivers and rescues, and he works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. Who has He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. And verse 28, so Daniel prospered. During the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus, who was the next king, the Persian. This here was not the outcome that anyone in that day and age expected, except for, uh, except for perhaps Daniel. I do not believe, however, that Daniel walked into that lion den and the roll, they rolled the stone. And I do not believe he turned around and he was like, hello, kitty. I do not believe that's what Daniel did. But I want you to see something. The pagan king, the one who worshipped false gods and idols, what did he say? God is the living God. God is the living God. It says his kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion or his reign will never end. The pagan said this of the true God. God is steadfast. God delivers. It's unbelievable. A man of his caliber would make such a claim. God had a plan all along. The whole time, he wanted Daniel to be used for his glory. He wanted to show a pagan nation that the obedience of one man could affect an entire nation. We saw it with David. We saw it with Elijah. The obedience of one man. One man's obedience. And he wanted to show people that God rescues and God delivers. Jeremiah 9 says, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him that glories glory in this, that he understands and knows God that he understands and knows God, that I am the Lord which exercises loving kindness and judgment and righteousness in the earth, for in these things I delight, says the Lord. Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24. Church, God still rescues and delivers people today. He still rescues, say amen to that, God still rescues and delivers people. Maybe not in the way that we would hope 
or in the way that we would like or in the way that it pertains to our specific pain and suffering. But the greatest rescue and the greatest delivery that ever occurred was what happened on Calvary when Christ delivered all who call upon him. He rescued us from having to spend eternity separated from him when he made a way that brought new life. A life with meaning, a life with purpose, a life that could be lived for God's glory. Church, we have new hope. We can live a life with the understanding that God is working all things for his glory. All things. Settle your life under God's authority. Subsist your beliefs. Stay the course. Surrender all glory to God. And know, church, that if you you have cried out to God for salvation, resurrection power has been given to you. I don't mean the power to go and raise people from the dead, but the power to combat sin in your life. Multiple times we are told in the New Testament to put off and put on. Put off and put on. Every time that it says, put to death all of the earthly things that are in you. Put on love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Put on Prioritize your relationship with the Lord and you will learn how to put on and put off. You will learn how to follow the Lord through resurrection power. Church, the one question that you have to answer, the one question, am I free in Christ? Through you the blind will see, the mute will speak, the dead will rise. We were singing that earlier, I'm pretty sure. Are you free in Christ? And if you are, then walk. Walk in your new life. Let's pray. God, we we come to you today, Lord, and we know that you are good. Lord, we know that you have never done us wrong. And God, I pray that we as a church would yield our life to you for your glory. God, I want you to have your way in us and through us in every situation, every single circumstance. God, bring glory to your name through our lives. So that way the people around us the people who walk through the doors of this church, the people that we encounter outside of here in the community, in restaurants, in stores, in our workplaces, will know that you still rescue and you still deliver. God, help us to live in light of your truth. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, church, for being with us this morning. We greatly appreciate it. We look forward to seeing you next week out at Bertha Brock Park as we have Freedom Sunday.
please do not forget to bring a chair with you, a dish to pass, and bring your friends and family as we celebrate the freedom that we find in Christ. Don't forget, if you're being baptized, we'll meet you right up here in just a few minutes. Love you, church. Have a blessed week. You are sent.